So, uh, my name's Caleb, for those of you who um, might be new around here, uh, one of the leaders here at Gateway Church. Um, so, just want to um, say right at the outset, and it's particularly if there's anybody out in the cafe that I can't see, um, today um, I, we will be covering some ground that I, I would suggest uh, you don't want your children to hear directly from me, you might want to filter it, and um, yeah, kind of, it's important to talk to them about some of this stuff if they're of an age, but uh, I don't want the responsibility of doing that from here today. So if there are children out in the cafe, please stewards, just be letting people know, etc. If any come back in, please uh, be aware. You're all wondering what the heck you're talking about today. <laughs> hey, nobody's going to walk out of this one, are they? I've hooked you. Uh, <clears throat> okay, uh, so uh, it, having saying, said no children allowed, we're going to talk about a kids' film. Anyone seen uh, Lightyear, the recent uh, Pixar movie? Very good. Those of you who have Toy Story fans in your house, like we do, um, several. Uh, Lightyear is a great movie. It's the origin story of Buzz Lightyear. And um, it's, it's well worth a watch. It's good fun. Uh, but essentially, Buzz and his companions are flying on a spaceship through space looking for somewhere, a planet to inhabit. And they come across a really promising planet that seems to tick all the boxes, has all the um, kind of right uh, atmospheric conditions, etc., for them to land. However, uh, there is a big problem when they venture out um, beyond kind of the, the area of their spaceship. What they discover is there are these vines uh, that suddenly appear out of the ground and grab them. I think I've got a picture um, of this. So there are these killer vines that basically come up, they grab you, and they try and take you in and devour you if you don't manage to chop them off with your uh, nice weapon. And um, now, listen, most of us probably do not have to deal with that kind of thing in our daily lives. We probably don't go around on the hunt for uh, or being aware of killer vines that are trying to grab us and pull us down. However, um, the author of Hebrews uses a similar kind of analogy, really, around sin that so easily entangles. And so while we might not be talking today about a physical entanglement that we have to escape from, we are going to be talking about sin that so easily entangles us. We are based in, uh, today we've got two passages, the first one of which is Hebrews 12, uh, verse 1. Now, Hebrews 12 uh, comes after Hebrews 11, funnily enough, and in Hebrews 11 you get this, sometimes it's called like the Hall of Faith, it's this list of all these people in the Old Testament who demonstrated great faith. Uh, they were certainly not perfect people at all, um, but they did, they, they exhibited some kind of faith that was rewarded by God. And so chapter 12 starts with the word therefore and is referencing back to that. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Now that's the NLT. You might be more familiar with the language and I'll probably use both interchangeably to today. Um, but you might be more familiar with the language of that section which is let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And then it carries on and let us run with endurance the race set before us, the race God has set before us. So here is the reality that we're going to be talking about today. If you want to run the race for Jesus, if you want to fight in his army, if you want to be effective for him in his kingdom, you're going to face a battle against sin that is going to try and trip you up or 
entangle you. The enemy, Jenny um, did a great talk last week just kind of outlining the enemy and his strategy, but he is going to try and wear you down with things and he is going to try and tempt you with sin that will so easily entangle you because he wants to neutralize you. He doesn't want you to be effective for God's kingdom. He wants to take you out of the game. He wants you to feel shame around certain things that will stop you from putting yourself forward and being effective on the front line. He will use probably different tactics for you and for me, for each one of us, depending on, because he's, he's a tactician, he knows what he's doing, and, uh, and he will use different tactics. So I want you, a bit of a strange exercise, but I want you to put yourself in the shoes today of the enemy, of Satan. I want you to think about um, if, if he was, if you were him, knowing you, what tactics would he use? Would you use if you were in his shoes? What would you use to try and trip you up or take you out of the game? Would he try and distract you with other priorities ahead of putting, seeking Jesus's kingdom first? Would he tempt you with certain specific sins that he know you might be tempted by? Would he play on some deep insecurities that take you out of the game, that, that make you think you're not good enough, you can't be of use to him? Would he maybe isolate you from other Christians, other believers, knowing that actually you are most effective when you are standing shoulder to shoulder, side by side with others? on the front line. What is it for you? Maybe worth having a think about that. Maybe it's one of those I've named. Maybe it's something else. For some of you, you might have to give that question some thought. You might have to go away and consider, actually, what is it? What tactics might the enemy use to try and take me out of the game? He doesn't want me to be effective, so what might he be trying to use to take me out of this? For others of you, it might be super clear and you're thinking about that thing, that one thing, one big thing already. Now, statistically, 75% of the men in the room and between 15 and 20% of the women actually likely thought of one thing, one sin that so easily entangles, and that is the issue of viewing pornography. This is why we said no children today. This is likely, or could well be, for many of you, the main thing, the main sin that you struggle with and you, you know neutralizes you because you live with the shame of it. You keep it hidden, secret away. Nobody else knows about it. Or even if they do, you still feel shame about it. And it takes you out of the game because you think, I'm not good enough. I can't be of use to God if I have this secret habit going on. Now, listen, I don't want the whole of today's message to be about the issue of pornography because... I'm aware that for some people it's just not an issue. And for some of you, it will be something else. However, um, so when it comes to later on, we're thinking about how we address these kind of issues, or this issue in particular, um, it is going to be general enough to, to address that to any, it's the, the, kind of the solution here, the application will be relevant to any sin that you struggle with or any kind of battle you face where the enemy is trying to take you away from uh, God's purposes in your life. The application will be, but I want to hone in on this one issue today because it is so prevalent and I would suggest that this is the, a prime example of a sin that easily entangles. It just is 
um, statistically. The reality is that with increasingly easy access through digital media uh, to pornography, here, here are some stats. These might shock you. I don't know. You might be aware of these already. But uh, today, um, children uh, are the average age that now a child is, is first exposed, exposed to pornogra- uh, pornography is between the age of 10 and 11. That is on average. By the age of 14, 94% of children will have seen pornography. For those of you who are parents in the room, please take note of that. 94% of children by the age of 14 will have seen pornographic images. And when parents are surveyed, actually only 25% of parents believe their children have done so. That is a big mismatch. Parents, please be aware. Uh, The the current statistics are that around 75% of Christian men uh, who are regular churchgoers admit to watching pornography regularly. And the statistics on women are a bit harder to pin down. It's, um, there are some, anyway, it's a bit more of a challenge to get a number on that. But anywhere between 15 and 20% of women also watch pornography regularly. There was one uh, very famous uh, website um, in 2019. So at the end of each year, they actually released their statistics. Um, in terms of what people were searching for, etc. And they had, in 2019, they had 42 billion views on one website alone. Um, That might be eye-opening to you, that might not be. You might be very aware of that um, already. Now, if you don't think that this is a problem, um, you you might be tempted to think, well, it's just something that happens in private, has no impact on life at all. Uh, Let's just explore that a little bit. Together, So without even getting into or talking about Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount about the issue of lust um, and lusting after somebody who is not uh, your husband or wife, um, how about these for some statistics? 88% um, of all pornographic material contains physical aggression. Did you know that? 88% of pornography contains physical aggression. 87% of that is aimed at women. Uh, Actually, the most frequent word used um, in all pornographic video titles, the most frequent word used to try and entice people to view it is the word teen, believe it or not. Uh, There is a direct correlation when they study secondary schools uh, and they look at and they ask young people how many young people are viewing pornography and how many cases of sexual harassment there has been in those high schools, there is a direct correlation between the two. The more pornography being watched by a set of pupils in a school, uh, the more cases of sexual harassment there will be in that school. Uh, Young people know this to be true because 41% of 11 to 17-year-olds agree that watching pornography makes them less respectful of the opposite sex. Porn is not a neutral thing. It does something to us. It warps our view of other people and of God's good gift of sex. Um, Pornography is actually the third most common reason for sex trafficking worldwide. Um, And 75% of partners of people who use pornography regularly say that it negatively impacts on their self-esteem. It has a huge impact on marriage. Um, So if you watch pornography, uh, it will double the chances of you going through a divorce. Um, And 56% of divorces, when recently surveyed, at least one party reported that pornography, uh, the, the unhealthy level of, of viewing pornography had been an issue that led to that divorce, one of the issues, 
Now, I, I kind of share those statistics because I think this is something that traditionally the church isn't very good at talking about, but it's a reality that we have to contend with. It is something we just have to be aware of. It is no good as just burying our heads in the sand and pretending that this isn't an issue. Having said that, for some of you, this just might not be your issue. It might not be your battle. For others of you, this is it. This is the one thing that you know is the thing that trips you up more than anything else, that neutralizes you, takes you out of the game, causes you to live with a deep sense of shame that stops you from putting yourself forward in the life of the church and in God's mission or whatever else it might be. For others of you, it will be other things. For others of you, it could be that there are, there are some big insecurities that you live with that, that just kind of, they're the bigger hindrance in your life. It might be that it's, it's practical things like the pursuit of wealth that's taken over a pursuit of God's kingdom and that's what entangles you and trips you up. Uh, it might just be like simple life habits like you watch Netflix every night instead of doing something productive. Whatever it is, I, I, I want us to consider... For each and every one of us, what are the sins that so easily entangle us? What are the things, what are these these everythings that we need to throw off that hinder us? I want to read that verse again, Hebrews 12, verse 1. And I want you this time to have in mind, if there's one thing that's come to mind for you that you think, you know what, that is the thing that trips me up more than anything. I want you to consider this as we read the words. Therefore, since we, have surround, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily tri- trips us up, or let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now, you're probably thinking, that sounds great. I've been trying to get rid of these things for years. Like I've been trying to battle these things. I've been trying to throw off these things. I've been trying to get rid for so, so long, but I cannot. I have not managed to do so. How? What is the secret? How can we throw this off? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because in the very next sentence, the author of Hebrews says this, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. It's very interesting, and we're going to explore that and unpack this together. But he doesn't, he or she, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, he or she does not say we do this by wallowing in self-condemnation. Doesn't say we do this by beating ourselves up because we're such terrible sinners doesn't even say we do this by trying really 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 hard to get rid of these sins that so easily entangle no the author says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith now you might be tempted you might be sitting there thinking well could have gone to Sunday school and got that answer today. You're basically saying, what's the answer, Caleb? It's Jesus. Like, isn't that a bit oversimplistic? We, you know, what do I do with this big problem of sin in my life? Well, the answer is Jesus. It does feel a bit Sunday schoolish, but I want us to unpack this and I want us to allow other scriptures 
to really interpret this for us this morning and unpack this. What is it about keeping our eyes on our champion Jesus that helps us to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles? What is it about Jesus's victory that enables us to live free from sin? That's the question I want to explore in this second part of our time together this morning. Now, before we do that, I do want to just say, uh, as an aside, that if you are dealing with something that has become a habit or even an addiction, or you're trying to, the thing that, that hinders you is some kind of deep, deeply held, wonky way of thinking that you know, kind of is, is, has been there for a long time. Now, these things are complex. I want to be really honest and open about that this morning. I don't want us to oversimplify this challenge. And sometimes, or most of the time, if we've got something major like this, we're going to need to involve other people in this. We're going to need to talk to other people, be open with other people. We're going to need to uh, address things by getting help. It might even be professional help. Often it will be other people within the church who we can trust and um, walk alongside with. It might be that some of us might need some kind of counselling, some, some proper sitting down and talking these things through. I don't want to downplay the, the complexity of the, these things, but what I do want to talk about is, is something that will give us a really good starting point, almost like a key that will unlock the door and um, that will move us towards freedom from some of these things, whatever these sins are that you find so easily entangled. I believe there's a key here that if we can understand in our thinking, the knowledge of this truth will start us on a journey to becoming free. So we're going to um, look at this. We're going to allow another um, passage of scripture to kind of interpret that last verse here, which says we do this in terms of we get free. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So the passage we're going to look at is Colossians chapter 3, and eventually it'll be 1 to 15, I believe. But we're going to start with verses 1 to 4. that says this, Since we have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Now, this is the kind of introduction to an idea that you will find in various places in the New Testament. And this idea is that when you went from... Uh, kind of having no faith in Christ to having faith in Christ, when you said yes to him, when you repented and put your trust in him, something fundamental happened to your nature. You moved from darkness to light. You moved from death to life. You moved from, um, from sin to forgiveness and restoration and freedom. You are now in Christ. This is a new reality. Baptism is a great demonstration of this. When, when we get baptised, which is the next kind of you know, natural step of obedience to putting our faith in Jesus, when we, when we take that step of going into the water and coming out, it, it is more than just a symbolic act, the, the act of baptism. It's way more than that. There's something that happens in that moment, but it also is a great 
symbolic act of, of dying to self and being raised to life in Christ. Your old life is being, being buried with Jesus in his death and you are being raised to new life with Jesus in his resurrection. That is the big idea here. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Something dies in that moment and then comes back to life. You are brought back to life in a new way. Let's read on. He says, so, so as in, in light of this death and resurrection to new life, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. And then the author of Colossians, this is Paul now, uh, he, he then lists a whole bunch of things that I would suggest are sins that so easily entangle. He says, so in light of this, this fundamental shift from darkness to light, from, from a sinful nature to a new nature being in Christ, so put to death the sinful earthly things, put, put to death those behaviours that lead from that sinful nature, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of another list of things, anger, rage, malicious behaviour, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of it's wicked deeds. In other words, the, these actions, these, these sins that you're now, if you're in Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus, the sins that you now struggle with, whether it's the deep insecurities or whether it is pornography or something else, these things that you struggle with, they're, they're part of or they're outworkings of, they're the actions of your old life that has actually been crucified with Christ. It was your sinful nature that led to those things, but the good news is that that nature that led to those things has now been crucified with Christ. You have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Let's read on in verse 10. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be his holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. In Christ, you have a new nature. Your old sinful nature is gone. Jesus, the, the, the key that unlocks the door to your freedom from sin that so easily entangles, is not that you have overcome sin, it's that Jesus, the champion, has overcome sin once and for all. He crucified yours and mine, our sinful nature, on 
the cross. So now you and I are not defined by our sinful nature. It has no power over us. We can now throw off all the behaviours of that old sinful nature because their power has been broken by Christ. Our new reality is that you are not defined by that sin or that sinful nature. So you are not somebody now who is who, who, who needs to be defined by your brokenness or your sin or your lust or your addictions. You, you are not an addict who is following Jesus. You are not a, a, a completely broken person who is following Jesus. You're not, a, you're, you're not a, a, like your, your reality has changed. You, you are not that person anymore. That has gone and been crucified with Christ. And instead, you, your task now, if we, um, if we look at this verse, uh, where is it? I've just lost it now. Um, hold on, just trying to find it. Um, he, he says now, verse 10, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Our challenge now is to learn this new nature and what it means for us, to step into this new reality that Jesus has won for us. Our challenge is to bring our thinking and our behavior and our actions into line with our new nature that God has given us, whatever that might look like. You have a new identity. The, the image given here in this passage is a bit like, um, it's a bit like Jesus, the, the kind of the stylist, the, the one who has designed these new clothes. He's standing at the door to a wardrobe and he's got all of these wonderful clothes inside it. And you're standing there and you're dressed in these dirty rags, these, these horrible, filthy, worn-out old clothes. And Jesus, the ultimate designer, because he designed the whole universe and he can design nice clothing too, is he says to you, he says, look, th- those rags can be gone. Like, I'm, 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 I'm buying you a whole new wardrobe of clothing here, a whole, a whole new set of outfits. You don't have to walk around in these old, dirty clothing that have defined you for so long. You have, if you've put your trust in me, you can take those off. I've, I've bought you, these are free to you because I have bought this new set of clothing for you. He's standing there and he's, he's, he's holding up these clo- clothes for you and he's urging you and inviting you to throw off those old clothing, those old sins and to burn them and instead put on this new wardrobe that is tender-hearted mercy, it's kindness, it's humility, it's gentleness, it's patience. Above all, it is love. This is the new wardrobe that he has for you. He paid for it by giving up his life 2,000 years ago, and it enables you to step into it. There's no cost to you. It's here offered as a free gift of grace to you. And, and it fits you and it suits you because your nature has been changed and his beautiful new clothing of tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. You, you could probably go on. Purity, wholeness, all of these things are yours in Christ, ready for you to step into. I, the, I do find this hard to describe, but the... 
the, the fundamental key that will unlock your door to freedom from sin that so easily entangles is understanding who you are in Christ. That Christ has already won a victory for you and so you don't have to live in this old reality anymore. You can step into a new reality. Condemnation isn't going to set you free from sin. Shame is not going to set you free from sin. Human effort alone is not going to set you free from sin. The knowledge of the truth sets us free. And this fundamental truth that you are in Christ, you have a new nature, the old is gone and the new has come, that is the key to unlock the door to your freedom. Do you believe today that you can throw off some of these sins that so easily entangled? I believe you can. And Jesus believes you can. Did, did, have you ever thought about that? You might be sitting here thinking, there's no way I've been struggling with this one for years. There's no way. I've tried. I've even talked to other people about it. It is not happening. Jesus believes you can be free from it. And he's, he's made it possible. And he's inviting you to step into a new reality of freedom from it. The, some of you, if, if the issue is around uh, the issue of pornography, which it, it is for, for many people here in this room, I would highly recommend um, there is a, um, a charity, an organisation, Christian organisation who have a website. They are called The Naked Truth Project and uh, they are very, very good, lots of helpful content. Um, they, have, they run a programme, a course, I think it's about an eight-week course that you can do either on your own, ideally, with a group of other people. It's called Control-Alt-Delete, which I think is a great title for a programme specifically aimed at helping you live free from pornography. Um, but you can, I, I would highly recommend, just maybe find one other person and say, listen, I struggle with this, do you want to do this with me? There's a 75% chance that that person is going to say, me too, and want to also be free from that, if you're a man, uh, slightly less chance if you're a, a female. Now, uh, so it might be that you need to do something like that. Some of you need to ask for help. Some of you might need to confess some things to some people. Some of you might just need to kneel before God and say, God, I, I, I want to get free from this. Show me how. Help me to live in this new reality. Help me to, to understand your truth that I am in Christ and my sinful nature has gone. Um, I, I, I just think God wants to bring freedom to us. I think, I think the enemy has the, the church across the world at his mercy tied up with this issue in particular around pornography, but many other issues as well. Uh, there's a statistic somebody told me, I, I don't know if the numbers are true, but there was a, a thing that in certain mission organisations around the world, um, women uh, outnumber men by seven to one, and one of the biggest reasons that people give for that, probably, is that a lot of men count themselves out of, of giving themselves fully to like mission work because they're struggling with pornography. It, it takes people out of the game. It takes, you carry the shame of it, you think you're not good enough, and it wipes you out of the game. But, but Jesus wants his church free. And, um, and that's, that's, you know, that's my heart. We've seen it. We've got many men in this church who, who are walking free from it after having what they would say is an addiction to pornography. They've learned how to live free. They've learned how to get accountable and how to just kind of walk in freedom in this. 
And, uh, and I would encourage you to reach out and, and ask for help, whether it is pornography or whether it's something else, whether you know that there's something that holds you back from God's mission, it's call on your life. Don't, don't wallow in that in secret and live with the shame of it. Get free, get help from other people, talk to other people about it. Now I want you to do, I want to finish, um, maybe musicians, do you want to come up as well? I want to finish by doing a, a little exercise. Okay, I want you to close your eyes if you would humor me for a moment. If you just close your eyes at where you are. I want you to imagine that up here, standing on the stage, is not, uh, not me, not average Caleb, but a super prophet. Somebody who has the ability to, in the spirit, see right into your heart and understand and know what your biggest sin struggles are, the biggest hindrances to you running the race for Jesus. Why don't you just imagine that I'm that person, it's not me, don't worry, I'm not going to do this because I can't. But imagine that's who's standing up the front here. And what they begin to do is they begin to go around the room and point at people and say, you're struggling with this, aren't you? It's a horrible thought <laughs> that will never happen, don't worry. And we're not into condemnation, and I want to stress that. But I want us to ask that question, or ask the question, what is it, as you sit there with your eyes closed, as that finger would move around the room, what is the one thing you don't want to be spoken out loud by somebody else in front of your fellow church members here? What, what might be one of the things that you think, oh, I really hope they don't pick me and reveal this. There might, there might not be anything there for you, but I feel like I want to ask that question because I, I, I believe that it's deep down. Jesus doesn't want you to, to live with that hidden away, trying to deal with it on your own. He wants you to face up to it yourself, to be honest with yourself, about what some of these big struggles are. He knows what it is already. <laughs> even if nobody else does, even if you're kind of pretending it's not an issue and you're downplaying it, what is, what, is, what is the biggest barrier to you being effective for God on the front line? Is it a sin that you're struggling with over and over again? Is it an insecurity? Is it a lie from the enemy that he's spoken over you and you're swallowing, you're believing, that you're not good enough, that you're not gifted enough, that you don't belong here, that you're, not, you're, you're a, you're a second-rate Christian and there are some, some lie you believe that there are, there are different like, categories of Christian and you're not one of the good enough ones to be effective. That's a lie. <laughs> what is it that, that is holding you back? Was it that there's some things that nobody else knows that you're struggling with today? Jesus came to bring you freedom. It is in his heart. And he's also done something about it. He went through the ultimate shame, humiliation. Those of us who've been reading through the book of Mark together in the reading plan of 
just reading through coming up to the crucifixion now Jesus has just been whipped and flogged and beaten up he went through that so that you don't have to beat yourself up he took any punishment any shame humiliation that you think you deserve he took that upon himself and he offers you the free gift of a new nature in Christ where the power of sin does not have a hold on you anymore where you are not defined by your greatest sins your greatest mistakes the times you've mucked up and thought there's no coming back from this Jesus took every single one of those things and he nailed them to the cross with him and then he rose to life on the third day and he won for you a gift of eternal life with God but also a new freedom that you can live in you can live in his victory over sin our challenge now is to line up our thinking and our behaviour with a new reality that he won for us. Jesus wants you to be free. He wants that even more than you want to be free. Because that's his plan for your life. That's his hope for you. He wants you to be effective for him. He wants you to be part of his frontline battle. And he wants you to do so free from sin. He wants you to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And he's made that possible for you and for me. Does it mean we're going to live a perfect life between now and the day we die? No, it doesn't. But it means we're not at the mercy of sin anymore. We're at the mercy of his mercy, which he pours out freely on us. Don't settle for sin that so easily entangles. Jesus has a better plan life better plan for your life got a better reality for you to live in so Jesus we come before you we open our hearts up to you so nothing here is hidden from you you know the secrets of our hearts. You know what trips us up. You know everything about us. You know the way we try and put on a brave face and pretend everything's okay. But you want more for us, Jesus. You want us to be truly free. You want us to experience freedom in our day-to-day -day lives. So Jesus, we invite you to...
to come by your spirit to convict us where we're pretending there aren't issues to bring grace where we're living in shame or self-condemnation thank you Jesus that you didn't come into the world to condemn us but to forgive us and so we receive your forgiveness for us we thank you Jesus that our sin is as far from us as the east is from the west which is a very long way we thank you Jesus that you offer a new nature to us in Christ now help us by your spirit to live in that new nature to dress ourselves each morning in the wardrobe of tender hearted mercy kindness patience love purity freedom security help us to day by day put on the clothing of the new nature you offer help us to live from that place help us to serve you from that place we just invite you Holy Spirit come and have your way in the time we've got left this morning we want to invite you to come and move God we, we just lay our hearts bare before you As we move into a time of worship, Jesus, we want to keep that posture of openness towards you. I just want to pray your protection over this place. God, I believe that the enemy will whisper things in people's ears, even now as we, as we go from here, but as we continue in worship. There is an enemy who will speak lies over every ear listening here in this room and online lies that undermine the truth they've heard today so we just pray your protection here thank you Jesus protect our minds we put on that helmet of salvation that breastplate of righteousness that protects our hearts from the enemy that shield of faith that we put out the fiery darts of the enemy with we choose to stand on your truth today I pray you would just seal that in our hearts today, God. Where the enemy will seek to undermine this key truth. That we have a new nature in Christ. We just take a stand against that. We stand on that truth. Would you imprint that truth on our hearts and our minds. That we might never forget who we are in Christ. Come Holy Spirit, come and have your way.